All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of Slightly Biased Sports Talks, or SBST for short. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks everyone for listening to the No Cap Recap before, but um, me and Bone have decided to rebrand a little bit. It's the same exact show as we did it before, you know, same kind of topics that we talk on hand. We're just a little bit different branding. We've got a different name, a uh, little bit of different stuff to talk about, uh, but we're fired up for more consistency and more episodes now. And we're going to be aiming for about we every week. We're going to put out at least one episode uh, with, you know, school done and lockdown happening. It's going to be a lot easier to kind of keep in touch, but yeah. Bowen, you got anything to add? Yeah, Milan, it's a uh, really exciting times, my friend, really exciting. Uh, the no cap recap was a great time, uh, but you know, got to change it up a bit, change the name, uh, keep it fresh, keep it moving. And uh, because we're going to be going with, more regular uh, programming. We took a big break from September uh, up until last week, obviously, but Champions League is in full swing. NBA playoffs about to get going. Two sports we love and love talking about. And uh, yeah, it's very exciting. So really looking forward to what we can put out for the spring, summer and going forward after that. Yes, sir. So uh, as you just have mentioned, this episode is going to be mainly like football related. We're just really going to be talking about what we've been seeing happening in Europe right now. Uh, but we are planning on making a basketball episode sometime this week. Yep. So stay posted for that. We will be recording that and posting that later on this week. So 100%. anyways, should we just get it going? Let's get it going. Let's get All it right. going. Perfect. All right. First topic, um, Premier League football. Yep. This is this is Bowen's bread and butter right here. His favorite club, Arsenal. <laughs> for me, the third biggest club in England. Um, Debatable. Not, uh, when, when you talk about when you talk about big clubs though versus historically historically clubs, yeah. yeah exactly you make a good um, point there you do but they've been trending in the wrong direction for the past two years 100 um, but yeah let's not start off with arsenal uh how about manchester city um yeah they the title is basically wrapped up we're recording this may 2nd 2021 and uh man city are basically have, they they did their business earlier this weekend, picking up all three points. Uh, the Manchester United Liverpool game was canceled, obviously. Uh, not obviously. If you if you didn't know if you didn't know about that, it was canceled. Uh, Manchester United fans were doing protests outside the stadium. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on that later. Actually, made it into the stadium, uh, so that game will be pushed back. But City's title City's title chase is very dependent on that result. Uh, if things don't go their way, then it doesn't really matter. It's a matter of when, not if they capture another title under Guardiola. So, yeah, uh, Guardiola again and again, just stat padding, <laughs> stat padding league titles. But you yep. know, it is what it is. It's still an impressive league. It's you know, it's one of, if not the best league in the world. Uh, uh, well done by Guardiola. Uh, you know, after a big season last season where Liverpool finally dethroned City. Yeah. Uh, he went, he said, I needed more defenders. He went and got uh, uh, Ruben Diaz, who has been a revelation this season. For me, the best defender in Europe, I think. He's he's probably better than, you know, Van Dijk was when he was healthy this season. So, uh, you know, hats off to Man City. They've, they've still got a little bit to play for, which we'll touch upon later in the Champions yep. League. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, as you said, uh, we could just go on to this right now, this Man United... Uh, protests that happen or whatever basically um the man united fans have been unhappy with the glazers ownership of manchester united 
Um, so they planned a protest that was supposed to be just a peaceful protest, protest outside the stadium, which blew up into them breaking into the stadium, breaking into the changing rooms, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, due to COVID protocols, due to safety protocols, the game was actually postponed at first and then it was completely called off and to be played at a later date. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what else can you say? This is just touching back exactly on what we talked about last week. The fans will do anything they want to try to get what they want. Even if in the middle of a pandemic, you all have to group up, they will do it. <laughs> That's how the culture for football is in Europe. And they, you know, whatever it takes, they're going to try to fight for it. But it seems like those top two spots, Manchester City, Manchester United, are more or less locked up. I don't see Man United losing that second place spot either. Um, but third to fifth is, or actually third to eighth even, is looking all pretty competitive still. Um, it's a little bit broken off as of late with uh, Leicester currently in third, Chelsea in fourth. Yeah. There's a bit of a jump there in points. But, you know, who would have thought that teams like West Ham United would be in fifth place come this point of the season? Certainly not me. I At the start of the season, I thought they would be near the relegation places, uh, maybe safe mid-table, but definitely not pushing for top four European football. That was not uh, in my predictions for the start of the season. So what David Moyes has done there this season, phenomenal job. Uh, Jesse Lingard has been a revelation. Uh, they they should have taken all three points off Arsenal uh, back uh, probably about a month ago now when they played um, when Arsenal went away to West Ham. Uh, but no, they've they've really done a top top job considering they weren't even in, in the picture. Like they're never in the picture for European football really. But this year they're probably going to get at least Europa League if not Conference League, uh, which would be probably worst case scenario for them. Uh, but yeah. Sh- Massive tip of the hat to David Moyes. Uh, he's clearly proven he's a quality manager, even after rough stint uh, with Manchester United a couple of years ago. Moved on to some other jobs. People didn't really think he had it after what he did at Everton for years, but no, he's really put the pieces together. He's found a he's found a spot that really uh, suits him well, and it's good to see. You never want to see managers uh, really fall out of football. You know what I mean? So, massive tip of the hat to him for sure. Uh, what I like about Moy specifically is this the same thing as what he had in Everton in this case, that he didn't have a big budget to work with with West Ham. Yeah, I mean, all Prem teams have a big budget to work with, but not yeah. as the likes of a Manchester United. And there's no, with all due respect, there's no pressure at West Ham. They were a relegation side last year. There, there's no pressure, you know? And um, I just want to give a big shout out to Thomas Suchek. Yep. For me, one of the best defense midfielders in Europe, let alone in the Prem. This dude is sensational. This dude can do everything on the pitch. More and he, he, at the height that he's at, he he's like a very tall Angola Conte, you know? Like he's everywhere. He can defend, he can pass the ball, he can run. It'll be like the 85th minute. You see this guy doing full sprints. Just hats off to Thomas Suchek. Uh obviously you mentioned Jesse Lingard, who's you know revived his career at West Ham. I 100%. saw even Real Madrid looking to sign him this summer, which is still blows my mind, but <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. But right. either way, uh, and even before West Ham, there was Everton, who was top of the league for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin deserves his praise as well. That guy has been sensational this season for me. Um, for Leicester, Kelechi Inacho, that guy's had a fantastic 2021 He's been, carrying, he's been carrying Lester on his back after, you know, he was supposed to be that next big thing and man said, yep. work out. 
Um, exactly. Yeah, he's finally coming into his own. Uh, Jamie Vardy can't be running that shit forever. He's done it for years and years, and he's a global legend, no doubt, but he's getting up there in age. Uh, he hasn't been at his best, so they need someone else to step up. But as we talked about with West Ham, uh, Leicester, they obviously shocked the footballing world a couple of years back winning the league in 2016. Um, but, you know, they've been, they haven't reached that heights yet again, obviously, but they've just been having solid, solid uh, footballing management off the pitch, uh, selling off players, bringing in players. It's really, really uh, good to see because everybody could have predicted them just to go back down to, to the bottom of the table, but they're really, really challenged. They challenged for the Champions League last year, just missed out. This year, they're probably going to make it. So, uh, you know, it's good to see the top six. You could call it now. Uh, really be pushed and see some new teams enter the fray. I think it's good for good for football. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Tottenham—three of the big six of England—can all miss out on big Euro- six. All of them can miss out on European football this year. Yep. Like, doesn't that blow your mind? It does, and it doesn't because if it was a normal season with. And as Mikel Arteta alluded to in a press conference earlier that he was talking about how he didn't have a preseason, uh, he didn't have a normal training, he didn't have the fans in stands, that that he feels that affected Arsenal's campaign this year. Um, obviously, the virus, coronavirus, has affected everybody in the footballing world, not just Arsenal and Arteta. But I do think, you know, Liverpool, Van Dyke going down early at the start of the season, uh, Mourinho clearly didn't work out for, for Tottenham. And we saw what happened with him. He got sacked from his position uh, just recently. And Arsenal have had a really turbulent season, going to be one of their worst seasons uh, in a long, long time, even worse than last season probably, which is awful to say as an Arsenal fan. But just because of the virus and the ramifications of that, and players are playing week in, week out, so much football plus international fixtures. I said it for a while, Liverpool was going to burn out, so I'm not surprised there. Uh, with Arsenal and Tottenham, and I know I'm going on, but <laughs> with Arsenal and Tottenham, I, go think on, it's, go on. I think it's not surprising just to see Mourinho. I think he's an all-time great in terms of managing and what he's accomplished. I, I'm kind of starting to believe that the modern game has passed him in a, in a way. And for Arteta, I think, you know, he won the FA Cup last year, but looking back on it, it doesn't look as convincing I think the Arsenal job may just be a step too big for him. You know, who knows? Maybe one day he'll be a great manager. Maybe he'll even turn it around uh, if they have a good summer in the transfer window. But I'm not entirely surprised to see those three clubs kind of fall off a bit. Like, I, I could say that was kind of predictable. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised, really. Yeah, no. Um, We're going to also touch on them when we talk about the NBA. But the scheduling – of due to COVID has definitely affected all sports teams and all athletes so much. Liverpool, due to the scheduling, ended up uh, losing their best defenders so early. Like yep. without Virgil Van Dijk, that team is a shambles. Yep. Trent Alexander Arnold looks lost on the pitch every single time he steps onto it. He hasn't had a good game it, literally since Van Dijk's been injured. Um, I don't even know what's happening with Andy Robertson. That guy, I haven't heard of him in about a year. It's just that the way that team worked was based on how Van Dyke's presence in that back four cohesively helped them, right? As well as uh, Joel Matip and a Joe Gomez, who both have been out just as long. Yeah, um, it's not, and exactly, it's not only Van Dyke. It's uh, they've had a 
chop and change the center half pairings for so long this season. Jordan Henderson even had to slot in there for at center back for a bit, uh, as, as did Fabinho. Um, why now them? Like it just affects, and especially Van Dyke is the key part of that, right? He's the key tenant. He's the heart of Liverpool. I'm gonna say it. He's not the he's not the captain, but he's the heart of that team. He's the heartbeat because he's there. He affects them from dead ball situations. He can get forward. He can bring the ball to the pitch. Uh, he helps how they press. They can press higher without him. They they don't. They're not that sturdy, solid center back in the back. So they're not as high press. Obviously, you can't be high pressing football all the time because we're going to see you burn out. And Liverpool were white hot for a couple of years. This year, they got really unlucky with injuries. Uh, their front three went went for the longest time without scoring. Liverpool, which used to be a fortress, was they'd lose at home game after game after game. So it's the season from hell for them. Uh, if they miss out on Champions League football, that's going to exacerbate that problem. Do I think Klopp is going to leave? Um, no, I, I think he's going <laughs> to, unless something unforsaken uh, happens, which is unexpected, but I think he's just going to try to run it back. Maybe the last dance situation with this core players and then reassess next year personally. What do you, what do you have to say on that? Yeah, no, um, I've, I forget who said it, but I saw some point that was made a few weeks, maybe a week ago. Uh, I think it was Jamie Carragher that said this, that at Liverpool, uh, Jurgen Klopp is the biggest, like he is like the owner, like the owner does not, is not as no one cares about the owner as much as they care about Jurgen Klopp, you know, uh, Jurgen Klopp makes all the decisions. If he wants to leave, he'll leave on his own accord. He's not going to exactly. get fired. Yeah. Um, he's brought them their first title since the rebrand of the Premier League. He won them a Champions League. He's taken them to another Champions League final. He's taken them to a Europa League final. He's, uh, you know, he's a legend in that club and it's in his own right. And I, exactly. if he wants to leave, he'll leave on his own terms. Yeah. Uh, but someone as... that didn't leave on their own terms is Jose Mourinho at Tottenham, who <laughs> this, this was just, it blew my mind how this happened on like the eve of like their first final in God knows how long. Well, like, since how, the Champions League how could final. you do this to the one? Oh yeah. Since the Champions League final, but the first, their first chance at a title or like, I, that's the first time they've been in that Carabao Cup final since they've won it back in like 07, I believe, or 06, something like that, back when they had Robbie Keane. It was a while and, back. Um, yeah. It was just like, how could you get rid of like a serial winner? And like, granted, the results have been rough. They definitely have been rough, but there, if there was ever a time to fire him, that was not it. <laughs> you know, because you bring in someone like Ryan Mason, who's an under 30 years yeah. old manager who's never done anything in his time as a manager. Uh, they couldn't get out of their own half for about 80 minutes of the match. And everyone was trying to feel bad for Sun. But this is this is their fault. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this is Tottenham's fault. Tottenham has this coming after how they treated Jose Mourinho that... He's a legend of this game. As much as everyone wants to downplay him and say he's this, that, and the other, Jose Mourinho is a serial winner, and he's won everywhere except Tottenham. But that's not his fault because Tottenham is not a winning club. But also, you have to like you have to take into account he's not working with a terrible squad of players. They made a lot of investments last summer. One hundred percent. That like Kane, like Kane's probably out the door. Harry Kane's probably out the door. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, that's a really tough situation to re-salvage. Uh, 
Uh, but yeah, bringing in bringing in Ryan Mason as an interim caretaker manager right before Cup final, at least give at least give Jose maybe the Cup final uh, to maybe try to win something, and then if you still don't like it, like even getting rid of him after that. But I don't know. It's Tottenham's in a really rough spot because they went from winning the Champions League, as we all know, uh, or not not winning, making the Champions League final, <laughs> to uh, two just two years ago in 2019. Uh, granted. It was a lucky run, you could argue, but they made it with under Mauricio Pochettino. And then after that, he sacked just months later. Uh, so he was done. He got a very raw deal. Uh, but yeah, Tottenham going forward. Them and Arsenal have had two very down seasons. Uh, which one can I see turning, around, turning it around faster? I honestly don't know. Um, both are in really bad spots. Both have a lot of holes to fix before they can start really pushing for serious competition, both in the league and Europe again, I think. Yeah, no. Um, but anyways, before we move on, I just I had a question because basically it's specifically for you because, yep. you know, we've been under this impression that the Prem is the most competitive league in the world because 20th place can beat first place at any point. Yep. But in the last few years, every single time the title winners won it, they've ran away with the title, you know? Yeah. So for me, I wouldn't Other say it's than... the most competitive league. Right. But then you look at the European landscape right now, the two semifinal, uh, the four semifinals across the Europa League and Champions League, you got four English teams. You got Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, and Manchester City. So I guess my question would be is, do you think it's the best in terms of teams? Do you think the Prem is the best league in terms of the level of teams? Uh, I would say so, yes, just because, you know, in in the Premier League, you talk about the top six. Uh, Arsenal, obviously, part of that group. I don't think they're one of the strongest teams in, in England right now by any means. Uh, but Leicester is pushing that. Everton is not pushing it, but like their quality side, they haven't showed it in Europe, but they like their side that has to be respected. I think there's a lot of teams around that top six. And then at the top of it, you have uh, Manchester City, you have Chelsea in Europe, obviously, who could very well be the Champions League final. Uh, Arsenal, and, but and uh, Manchester United could be the Europa League final. Uh, I would say just because of the depth of the teams at the top, I'd say so. Uh, Spanish football. They're kind of being carried right now by Real, I think, honestly. Uh, at the YT, they were doing well a couple of years ago, but they haven't really made a, a serious run at the Champions League. In a bit, you, uh, Italian football, I know you're a big Italian football fan. I hate to say it. I think they're in a bit of a shambles right now. Uh, hopefully Inter and Juventus can, maybe not Juventus for you, but hopefully Italian football can kind of get back into the mix. Milan. Uh, AC Milan is a really, I feel like it's going to be a really strong side for years to come. But at the moment, I have to say, yeah, just because of the depth of teams that can be competing, English football would have to be the strongest, personally. 100%. Uh, for me, I don't know, I'd have to just slightly disagree. I think Spanish football is a little bit just a smidge higher for me. I just look at the champions of the last 10 years of the Champions League of the Europa League. You got Sevilla dominating the Europa League. You got Rangers dominating the Champions League. That's a great League. point. You got Barcelona. You got Atletico. You got, uh, like, just teams, Spanish teams, like, they're always in the running, you know? I can't yeah. say the same thing for German teams. I can't say the same thing for Italian teams. English teams have definitely been, you know, they've, uh, I feel like in the last three to four years, they've stepped up massively. Um, yeah. But for me, Spanish football, I would say, is probably still top. Um, nevertheless, the Prem is the most entertaining league for me. I uh, I guess I say that because it's for me, it's much harder to find Spanish football, you know, 
within uh, I live in Ontario for me to find Spanish football to watch the zone doesn't stream it it's uh, being sport you'd have to buy a membership or yeah. uh, through your TV provider it's just the whole thing and the way the prem like every week there's just something like some characters you know I wouldn't say there's enough characters in La Liga you know there's winners which I respect there's people yeah. like Zinedine Zidane there's people like Lionel Messi there's people like Sergio Ramos but there's not enough characters you got you got people like uh, Nigel Pearson eventually back in the prem. You got people like, you know, even like these mid table sides, like you just look at them like, wow, I freaking love that guy, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, uh, I've got to give credit to the prem though. They're definitely, they're up there. And uh, eventually now that the Spanish, for me, Spanish football is slightly going downhill. I think uh, the prem is going to be overtaking it as the best in terms of the teams. I think in terms of pure talent alone, you like let's say we always talk about this on like hypothetical footballing terms, but we always have, we always talk about North American All Star games. Uh, it, like when you would you field a a team of Premier League players, I, I I'd argue it'd be stronger than a team of La Liga players, just because there's so many players across all those clubs. So that's kind of the point I was alluding to. But no, you're totally right. Uh, Sevilla has dominated the Europa League. Um, for years on years on years, Villarreal might make the final. Uh, in reality, they three-peated almost one, like four or five straight. So, but yeah, Zidane is a serial winner. And I'm we'll get to that, I'm sure, with the Spanish league title race. But no, yeah, Spanish football definitely has a case. It cannot be, you cannot under underplay the power of Spanish football, especially in Europe recently. 100%. And, um, okay, so let's just go on to another winner. Um, you know, I'm going to come out and say it as a Milan fan. I've got to yeah. give it the flowers. Inter Milan has officially <laughs> dethroned Juventus's nine-year domination of the Scudetto. They uh, won the league after Sassuolo drew 1-1 today with Atalanta. And, uh, you know, hats off to Antonio Conte. Hats off to uh, Romelu Lukaku, that whole Inter side. You know, they deserved it all year. They went on something like a 12-game winning streak. Um, there's no one in the league that deserves that title more than them. Uh, and I'm as much as I hate seeing my rival win and being actually this is going to be their 19th title, which puts them one above Milan's uh, title. Right. What keeps us at 18? I don't care. I don't care. You know why? Because you know who didn't win the league? Juve. Right? Juve's gone. <laughs> Juve is gone. I don't care what happens, bro. If I don't care who wins. I really could care less as long as Juventus <laughs> doesn't win. Because anyways, regardless of that, I'm just, you know, I'm happy Juventus didn't win. Uh, congrats to Inter. There's been a big celebration in, in Milan today. Yep. A lot of the fans just decided COVID doesn't exist. Goes, you know, it yeah. is what it is. I Trust me, if I was in Milan and Milan won the league, I would have done the same thing and I would have been in the hospital probably a week later. As much as I sound like an idiot, that's the truth. If It's been 12 years since they won the title. Last time they won it was when uh, Jose Mourinho was still at the club. So, you know, How things congratulations. Can change. How things congratulations can change. Congratulations to, uh, to Inter. Right. But what I really wanted to talk about was the race for the top four in Italy, which is absolutely unbelievable. Right. You got... Um, Second to fourth is tied on points with Atalanta, Juventus, and Milan. Atalanta has the uh, the tiebreaker over Juventus and over Milan. Uh, but come next week, Milan will be playing Juventus. Um, Napoli is only two points back in fifth place. 
And Lazio, with a game in hand, uh, is three points back on Napoli, which they're facing Fiorentina. I have a feeling they're going to be tied on points with Napoli. Uh, any team from second to sixth can still make or not make a Champions League football, which is unbelievable for Italian football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Milan is in a position where they can be the first team in history to be winter champions, meaning first place up until yep. Christmas yep. and not make top four which is in very, history. very scary. Wow. In history, yes. Which is very, very scary, but also not surprising because if there's any club in the history of the world that would be in this position, it'd be AC Milan. Um, <laughs> but Bowen, you've been uh, you've been a lot more invested in Italian football as of late. I 100%. Know, um, yep. Ever since, uh, ever since me and you started talking a lot about football, you've uh, you put some respect on Milan. You've... Uh, you know, you've uh, come to my ways a little bit on why Juventus has been so dominant <laughs> and why they've been so corrupt, this, that, and the other. You've seen where I come from. And what's your Sir, thoughts on this uh, in this top four race? I think it's great. As I was talking earlier about the English game, how there's so many teams in the depth and how it's good for the league, you can only – you can't say anything different about the Italian scene right now, especially because Juventus, uh, they're not the champions anymore. Uh, got new blood in there. Obviously not a team like Sassuolo or uh, like uh, Atalanta, but it's, you know, Inter, they're back on top. Good for them. They've had a really uh, tough stretch of years in the mid-2010s, but as for the other teams, you know, uh, really, really solid, really solid sides. Milan, they're making a resurgence this year for year's sake, and I I really respect them as a club. I hope they make top four. Uh, Juventus, I would not be uh, I would not be shedding tears for them if they miss out on the top four. But you know, Atalanta, they look like they're gonna make another Champions League uh, qualification. Napoli, they're on the brink. So just because we have a lot of teams and it's competitive and it's not all locked up by the end of the year, uh, I think that's only good for the entertainment value. Um, and all season they've had like we've had some crazy games. Like Milan lost to Spezia away. Uh, but then did did it did they not beat Inter in the in the first fixture of the season? The first so, yeah. fixture we beat them two to one. And you guys were leading the league uh, for quite a while, not as as long as Inter, but you know you were on top. So just because I, there's so much stuff that can go on, and then like last week Milan lost to Lazio, pretty convincingly. So just because of the nature of the league, uh, and like Spezia, even really solid team this year. Shout out to them. Uh, Benevento, did they not beat Juventus away? I believe as well. They did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like Udinese. See, this guy, this guy watches a lot of Serie A football, guys. <laughs> this guy, this guy's went from a prem head to a Serie A, a Serie A avid fan, and he's he knows everything. This guy knows every result. <laughs> I off the bow in here. I try to keep up, man, but you know what I mean. I'm like even Udinese, like they. Uh, I'm not, I'll try to get the pronunciations down more, but they played Milan to. I believe it was a draw away, and they played Juventus yes. close today. Uh, and Rodrigo De Paul, what a player, man! What a player. Hopefully, he. Uh, I don't know if I want to see him stay. At I was the club, saying that. I was saying that until what he did today. This guy single-handedly lost the match. This guy gave away the pen and gave away the ball for the second goal. This guy, Fair enough. Oh my goodness, De I mean, one bad performance doesn't make him a bad player, right? But 100%. He, ass- he assisted for me. their goal, but he's been very consistent all season outside of today. But yeah, just a very entertaining league. Uh, pe- more people have to get on Serie A football. It's 
it doesn't get enough respect. Obviously, it doesn't get respect right now because they're uh, Roma's the last team in Europe in Europe right now, and they're in the Europa League. Nobody made it uh, really that far into the Champions League, bar Juve, and they uh, they crash out of the competitions. So in Europe, they're not respected, but as a league, you have to you have to respect it. I, some some of the best matches I've watched this year come from Serie A. So I'm a, I'm a fan going forward. <laughs> uh, so if you were to what do you think the top four is going to be by the end of the season, by match day 38, considering that Milan's got Juve this weekend, they got yeah. Atalanta on match day 38. Uh, those are both two tough games for Milan. Uh, Napoli's got a fairly easy schedule. Juventus uh, and Atalanta are both playing each other in the Coppa Italia final. What yeah. would you say is uh, the most predictable top four finish for this area? Or what would you prefer at least? For me, I'd have to put Inter. They're obviously in. They won the league. Yeah. Um, Atalanta, I'd throw them in there. I'd probably, yeah, I'd throw them in there. Um, I'd love to say Juventus are not going to make it. I think they're going to be in there. And then I think Milan as well. I can't see Napoli. I can't see Napoli over, overtaking them. They're two points off of fourth, but they're two points off a of second, really. That's that tight. Um, Lazio, I think they're too far back. All they do, although they do have a game in hand, uh, but yeah, for me, I'd say Inter, Atalanta, Juventus, and Milan. I don't know what order it'll be, but that'll be my top four teams that qualify. You know, unpopular opinion. I think that Juventus is truly going to miss out on Champions League football really? this year, and here's why. So they they got away with the win today. You know. Penalty was rather shaky. You know, Ronaldo, as usual, hitting a free kick into a wall, hitting a hand, yeah. getting a penalty. Second goal was absolutely horrific goalkeeper from Scufet, goalkeeping from Scufet. If Musso was playing, there's no chance that was going in. Musso, for me, is the second-best goalkeeper in Serie A right now. Um, they didn't really do anything else throughout the match that, you know, could have troubled Udinese. That was Udinese's game to win, and they fumbled the bag big time. Okay. Um, we've got them next week. I don't think this stays any longer. I think this is done. This this form, this whatever they're trying to pull off here, it, it's over. We're we're ending it. We're we're putting us to bed, right? Napoli, Reno Gattuso is his job is in danger right now. I agree. Has been yeah. told that he's getting fired, and all of a sudden he's undefeated in five matches. Where was this energy when you were under <laughs> fire with with Milan making the Champions League? But whatever. Uh, I don't think they're losing a single game in these next five games. I don't think they're going to literally lose a single match. I think think Napoli are running the table. I think they're going to go 5-0. Wow. Uh, And my personal opinion, I would have honestly... I'd take Juventus making the Champions League over Atalanta purely because... Here's my issue with Atalanta. And Atalanta is a fantastic team. They bring up a lot of great players. They, They do it the right way, but they don't do it the right way afterwards. You know? They sign these players, they sell them off, and then they don't do anything to improve themselves. They don't buy players. They don't. They just buy these obscure talents again and improve them again. And I'm I'm just tired of this. Like, improve your. Try to challenge for the scudetto. Try to challenge in Europe. You don't do that. You know. Granted, this season you came up against Liverpool. For me, Liverpool is just much better suited to play against you guys. There, there's just so much that Atalanta doesn't do for themselves to improve themselves that I don't want them to make European football. I would prefer them play in that lower league, like Europa League, like the Conference League. I don't think they will because they're just dominant as they're, – they're, 
you know, they're crazy. They don't lose games. They, people, like, they lose games if they want to. People don't beat them, you know? And, um, yeah, like, they should have won their match today. They really yeah. should have. They really should have won that match. They didn't. So, uh, that's that may actually really come back to hurt them because they had a penalty that was saved. Um, didn't go in, obviously. That's football, right? Stuff happens. But So, that'll be really interesting to keep in mind going forward just to see what if that's the two points that they needed to get across the line. So, People, I'm telling you, watch this week. It is some some top quality football. Even though the title's wrapped up, that may turn you off from it. Please, please tune in for the, this last stretch. It's been a great season all year. Um, shout out to Serie A, man. Uh, unreal football. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because for me, I'd say up until about 2005, 2006, I'd say they were the best league in the world. You know, I agree. That was when. Uh, the famous cultural poly happened, and that was what completely just tarnished Italian football's reputation, reputation forever. Yep. Um, they're you know, the camera angles, the stadiums, everything just looks dead and disgusting in Italy, with all due respect. The fans, you know, that you can't really control that. You know, if there's horrible fans, there's horrible fans everywhere, there's also mm-hmm. horrible fans in England. Yep. Um, but it's just the Serie A right now is stuck in the 90s. That was when they were dominant, and that was when they, that's what the, where they're stuck in. And I don't know what it'll take for them to, you know, finally get those TV rights like the Prem. Yeah, but I hope it comes soon because I want to see my team compete financially oh, no, yeah. on the European wanna, stage as well. I want to see teams like Inter compete. I want to, as much as I despise Juventus, you know, I want to see them at least have a chance, like a fighter's chance, you know, in Europe. Um, because they never do. Like, as much as every single time they got to those Champions League finals, I I never had any doubt that they were going to uh, lose. I never, never believed that they were going to win those Champions League finals. You just think- because I know the history of Juventus and I know the way Juventus is being, you know, helped in terms of uh, European expenses. They're not, like, they thought they were just, like, a piece away, so they went and got Ronaldo. That right. literally wasn't it, right? Yeah. They went and got Matthias De Ligt in terms of replacing the old core of center backs. He's been all right, but he hasn't been that player that he was at Ajax so far. Yeah. Um, or not what he was allotted to be projected to be, right? Yeah. He, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still young and he has time, but he definitely, you know, hasn't matched the potential that he has shown to have. So for me, I would just love for uh, Italy to finally get some, you know, some TV rights, some love. I want them to improve their stadiums. I want them to improve their camera angles because there is quality football there, you know. It really is. Even Milan at its worst, it's still watched, you know. You got, like, Milan at its worst, everyone still respects. I would say a lot of people disrespect them, but people still know that once they come back, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Everyone knew our team isn't the best. And yet this year when we played Manchester United, there was a real fear from Prem heads that we were going to yeah. beat them. No, there was. And um, you got Milan, honestly, probably look like the front three in that game was in, in over that. I believe it was the second <laughs> game was pretty atrocious. Uh, but, you know, there is some questionable, questionable refereeing that first leg. The past is the past. Manchester United is probably going to go win on, on to win the competition. But I saw people... And again, this is not indicative of everybody on social media or every football fan out there, but I saw a lot of people really disrespecting Milan, saying it was going to be a cakewalk. 
if you watch that first leg that they played against one another, Milan was dominating at the first start of the game. Uh, like they were, they're real. Like Manchester United came out sweeping. So, and obviously we know what happened there. But yeah, as you said, uh, AC Milan are really respected. And I think th- that showed that this season, great progress from them. Champions League football will take them to the next step, hopefully. They got a lot of young players. Uh, in that team, I believe they're one of the youngest teams in Serie A. I think I the youngest I team in Europe, the youngest team well, in Europe. Exactly. So, you know, make the right transfers going forward. Uh, bring in someone to replace Ibrahimovic uh, once he decides to move on. Um, that'll be a tough ask because he's just so consistent. He ages like fun and wine. But what do you think? Let's stay on this topic for a bit longer. What do you think it'll take for an Italian side to really? to really make a challenge in Europe because Juve, they made the Champions League final twice in the last decade. Um, they, they were the underdog both games. Uh, what would it take for them or an Italian side to really be the favorite in the Champions League final? Is it better TV contracts? What is it? I'll be honest, and it's going to sound extremely, extremely biased, but until we're back in Europe, no one's going to compete in, uh, for Italy. Juventus so is, is a serial loser. Juventus is a serial loser, and Antonio Conte is managed by a serial loser in Europe. Uh, I mean, uh, Inter Milan is managed by a serial loser in Europe. That guy just knows how to go into Europe and lose. That's all he knows how to do. In a cakewalk group, he went and got fourth place. Yeah. I, yeah. Unacceptable. All the, yeah. Uh, two out of four Champions Leagues that Juventus made, Antonio Conte was the manager. Antonio Conte lost them. Right. Um. The only team that has, you know, the cojones to challenge in Europe, because it's it's the we've talked about this time and time again, Bowen. The DNA, just some right. have it and some don't, right? Inter has it in terms of when they had Mourinho, they yeah. lose it when they have someone like Conte. Juventus just clearly don't have it, even with someone like Ronaldo. You go in against Lyon, you lose. Yeah. You go in against Porto, you lose. You go in against Ajax, you lose. How much help do you need, bro? Every exactly. draw is going your way, and you're still losing. <laughs> How much help do you need? No, that's you know? some really valid points you make there, yeah. I uh, I don't think Milan right now is set. Like, the second we get to the Champions League, we're going to be winning it. There's no shot. Uh, I love Stefano Pioli. I'm, you know, I'm always going to respect him because he helped. He got us out of one of the darkest times of, I've ever been in as a Milan fan, but he's not the coach to take us forward. Eventually, he's going to get replaced. You think uh, that? You sadly. think so? Even with better players? Because here's the thing. Anton, uh, Stefano Pioli, uh, he's a good coach in the beginning, and then he always loses control. He's okay. done it with Fiorentina. He's done it with Inter. Uh, he's done it everywhere he's been. And as much as the thing is with Milan is that we've never went and got out and hired a world-class coach. All these coaches, like, for example, the Arrigo Sacchi's, the Carlo Ancelotti's, the Fabio Capello's of the world, they've come to Milan as subpar to mediocre coaches and become world-class coaches with Milan, yeah, right? Yeah. So as much as, you know, that has uh, itself going for uh, Pioli that right now he's in that level and he could still improve, for me, I don't think that he's going to be here if, you know, they want to be serious about, you know, a Champions League push eventually. But the most important thing is making that top four spot. We're, in my humble opinion, we're the only team in Italy that can you know scare people in Europe because even at our worst like coming against Manchester United we can still win you know mm-hmm. um we got a lot of young talents coming through you got 
Fikao Tomori probably going to be signed. Yeah. You got uh, Sandra Tonali, who's had a bit of a rough start, but has been fantastic as of late. Yep. Ishmael Benasser, for me, is our best midfielder, who's just a glue in that midfield. Frank Kessie, just the amount of improvement that guy's made over the last two to three years. He really has. Hats off to him. Uh, you've got Rafael Liao. I, you know, he's been on and off, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, Calabria every season he's either amazing or subpar this season he's been for me our best player when on the pitch you've got Romagnoli who had a rough time in the season now he's come back to the team he's been playing well got to give him credit Donnarumma may or may not resign hopefully will that's the big one for me that's the big one we know we know what he brings to the table even at the age of 21 we know what he brings or 22 now sorry we know what he brings to the table and um I'm just I'm excited for what this team has going forward, even with someone like 30 at 39 years of age like Ibra, we're the youngest team in the world in the league in the in Europe. I right. say I keep saying in the world because yeah, in terms of football, Europe is the world. That's the truth. Yeah. And, well, um, <laughs> yeah. And with the Super League, I mean, let's we don't have to rehash that conversation, but it just proved like the, you know, it's just the the continent of football that people that attracts most attention. So 100. percent yeah but yeah that's uh that's where it's at with milan uh i think they're the team that's gonna eventually make a push in the champions league for italy they're gonna be the team that you know puts us over the edge in italy and i would hope that happens sooner rather than later <laughs> right italian um, football italian football needs another champions league winner i think yes sir it's really get it the respect it deserves I, yes sir yeah so <laughs> um but anyways we got we got a couple more leagues to talk about we got yep. spain and france Two of the tightest title races in Europe. Bon, yeah. bon you got to tell me about this. Which one do we want to start with? Your call. Uh, let's go Spain. So, man, what a what a roller coaster of a season. Uh, Atleti, they are Atletico Madrid. They're pin in the driver's seat pretty much the whole season, but it's been pretty turbulent times. Um, I don't know if Diego Simeone is. Hey, look, if Diego Simeone doesn't win the title this season, he might have to leave because they crash Atletico. They crashed at the Champions League that were not convincing at all uh, versus Chelsea. They had a massive gap come January where it could have been, I believe, 12 to 15 point gap from the second place team. And then they hit a rough patch of form. Uh, and since then, it's very tight. <laughs> it's a very tight race. Uh, Milan, do you have the table pulled up with all the points? Uh, yeah, it's it's in the dock, but as well, right now, uh, surprisingly, Barcelona is down one nothing to Valencia in yeah. the 55th minute. As we speak, is... they're playing, yes. So, wow. it's, yeah, Atleti, they're two points clear on 76 points with 34 matches. Real, 74, Barca, 71, and Sevilla, 70. Uh, but Sevilla has a game in hand, so they could be within three uh, at the end of the match week. So, man, I... I've been telling you, we've talked about this. Zidane, uh, Zinedine Zidane, his boys know how to win down the stretch. They're the defending champions, but they've been having a tough time too. They're really focused on the Champions League. They want to get back to the final uh, for the first time in a few years. Personally, if I had to call it, I never thought Barcelona would come this far to even being in the picture. They were having a really tough start, but they've turned it around. I've told you this many times. I think if Barcelona win it, the the title this year, uh, it'll be Messi's great, greatest achievement since winning the Champions League five, six years ago now because yeah. they were dead and dusted. They were a club in a crisis. They still might be. He might 
you know, he might still leave. Like they got a lot of debt they have to pay off. Barcelona's in a tough spot, but if they win, uh, like they're still in with a shot of a domestic devil this year. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily uh, put that down to Coleman's uh, coaching excellence. I think Messi's just carrying that team, man. And it shows, like you look at the stats, he's always on there. Um, But yeah, for me, Atleti, I put my money on them with a couple games to go down the stretch, but it's for me, it's between them and Real. Yeah. No, um, like you said, Messi is, he's the greatest footballer to ever play this game. He is. Without question. It's, you know, props to players like Cristiano Ronaldo, players like Pele, Maradona. You got the Ronaldinho's, the Ronaldo Nazario's of the world. Messi does this every single year. He is the best playmaker on top of being the best scorer mm-hmm. in history. In history. In history. This dude is 5'4". Oh, he's not actually 5'4". He's probably around 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, S- getting past every single player with ease. You, there's no way to stop Messi. There's just no possible... Like, Messi stop, like just like uh, we're talking about uh, Atalanta as a team that, you know, they don't lose games or they don't uh, get beaten. They lose games. Yeah. Messi stops himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he may have had, a, have had a, a bit of a slow start in terms of his standards at the beginning of the season, but now he's for me, the front runner for the Ballon d'Or uh, going into the wow. Copa America, wow. going into the Copa America this summer. If they win, um, if the, if Barcelona somehow wins the title and he wins a Copa America, what is there to say that Barca, that Lionel Messi does not deserve the Ballon d'Or this year? Yeah, that would be well. That'd be quite the account. Well, yeah, and I, do, you, do you think he needs that to to win the award? Because you look around Europe, like what would it take for him? Like you can't. That's you can't really compare that. You know what I mean? Like unless Mbappe goes crazy with PSG, they pull the title off, and they France dominates the Euros, and he's a key piece. Like I think that'd be the other contender. He, uh, maybe he Neymar. Need throw the Neymar in there. He doesn't even need the Ballon d'Or. He just, I just need all the Ronaldo fanboys to shut up. <laughs> That's what I need because he's already, he's already ahead of him in Ballon d'Ors, right? Um, but all they ever say is that Ronaldo won with Portugal. Why can't Messi win with Argentina? Yeah, that once has he been does a big this, to his legs. Once he does this, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of Latar Martinez. I want him to be better just because I want him to play well for Argentina that's the only reason I would never support an Inter player but if he can play well for Argentina just because I want Messi to get the help he deserves yeah it's set if they win the Copa America I don't want to hear a word out of Ronaldo fans because yes Ronaldo's great Ronaldo is undoubtedly second best but the the way that Messi plays this this sport of football he's better than everyone at every aspect of the game Every aspect of the game. I agree, yeah. And because that's right, like the him winning a trophy, an international trophy, that would put him on par with uh, Cristiano because obviously Cristiano in Portugal, who talk about one of the flukiest competition wins of all time. This man wasn't even on the pitch for that, basically the entirety of that final. And they somehow scraped out a win against france I, okay. I could talk about that for hours i'm a friend he, he, he had a passion on the, on the side of the field so apparently he, they deserved it but whatever <laughs> and they bear like the group stage performance that 
was abysmal. Like, like they should not have been in the position to win that tournament. They didn't. Yeah. If, they, if that was That's any so other cool. Euros, they didn't make it out of their group. That's yeah. the worst part about this. Because if that was any other Euro competition, when they didn't have this third place fluke rule that the f- best place, uh, best team with the best goal difference that got third place makes it through, and they had the easiest group of all time, their hardest opponent was Austria. <laughs> yeah, they didn't make it out of their group. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But that's football, man. That's the beauty of football, in a way. Um, so no, back to what we were saying, though. I think, yeah, I think Messi. I think he's already the greatest. Uh, I don't know if him winning an international trophy, like what, like I think he's already there. Uh, it's kind of like in basketball. I already think LeBron James is the best player of all time. Um, I don't think he needs six rings to match Michael. Nor do I think Messi needs to match uh, Ronaldo with an international trophy. But Hey, if he does, that'll just further cement his legacy in my eyes. So, yeah. But back to what we got. I don't think Barca pulls it off this year. For me, it's between the two Madrid sizes. But uh, what do you think about this quickly? And then we can move on. If Simeone and Atleti, they do not win uh, La Liga this year, what do you think his future stands? Do you think he's still at the club? Because it's been a shocking, not to mention, they crashed out of uh, the Spanish Cup, Copa del Rey, as well. Real so, early. Very early. They were clearly putting their sights on the league and the Champions League and crash out of the Champions League and they might bottle the lead, the league after having a nearly insurmountable lead a couple months ago. So where do you think his future lies after uh after the season if they fail to win the title? Yeah, no, like you said, like the lead that they had wasn't at a time that like other teams can say like, oh well, it's only early on, like they'll they'll lose it. Like they were like pretty deep into the league. And they were about 12 points, 13 points clear. Yeah. And they lost that lead big time. Um, the thing is, I feel similarly to Jurgen Klopp, I feel that Simeone is one of those untouchable coaches because he brought them from the depths of despair. This dude was there when they were nothing, when they were not mm-hmm. even close to European t- uh, like top six, you know? Yeah. So that's why I think when he leaves, it's going to be on his own accord. I can see him leaving if they don't uh they don't win the title this year i i'd love to see him in, in like a league like the Serie A or you know even in england i can see I, if he was managing someone like man united could you imagine how good defensively they would be and yeah, I mean, so marcus sad. rashford would look like prime diego forlan this dude would be unreal uh i just i i would love to see it is it viable i don't think so i like i think if he does um not win the title. I think he's gonna take some time off from football. I feel I agree. the same I way agree. Pep did when uh, when Barca got knocked out in the Champions League against Chelsea back in two, 2012. After that, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, like you uh, uh, you were saying, the two teams that I would say are still in the running, considering what's happening right now, Barcelona are Atletico and Real. And for me, yeah. I think Real is gonna edge it. Um, they got you Ramos do. coming you back. You do. Wow, that is. They got something. they got Ramos coming back. They got um, you know Benzema's firing on all cylinders. Also a contender for the Ballon d'Or. Yep. Hundred um, percent. I I think it's and it's cool because there's also like in a couple weeks time or maybe a week's time, Atletico will be playing Barcelona and Real Madrid will be playing Sevilla. That's right. So if Barca beats Atleti, Real Madrid is basically th- winning the title. Um, they have to, yeah, they have to avoid slip ups themselves. Atleti still has a bit of a gap at the top, but yeah, yeah, clearly between those two teams. So I guess, I guess that's that next week. Uh, if we come back and talk, you know, we'll have a clearer picture because there's only a couple, couple games left, but 100%. another, another very, uh, 
I think it's finally getting the praise it deserves, the title race in Spain, but man, we got some unreal title races this season. It's it's great for the game, at least in Spain and then France, which we can talk about now. 100%. Uh, France, we got we to gotta give a big shout out to our Canadian boy, Jonathan David. This dude's got <laughs> Lille in top spot in France. Top of the league, yep. Uh, you know, they're actually, I've seen people start calling him Jonathan David Oglu because that team is just basically the Turkish national team plus Jonathan David. That's right. Um, you know, they're leading PSG, who's a perennial winner of uh, the league on title. Mm-hmm. They, there's no one really that can compete with them. Monaco was Monaco. at one point, yeah, at one point, the, comp- the competition. Then their ma- uh, their owner, Dmitry Revolovyev. Lost a lot of the money. They had to sell a lot of players. You had Bernardo Silva leave. You had Ben Mendy leave. Uh, Mbappe leave to PSG. Yeah. So many of their star players. Uh, Fabinho as well. I completely forgot about Fabinho going to Liverpool. They just completely burned out. And they, they've they been kind of in a middle point, I would say. You've got um, players like Alexander Golovin, who's a very good player, has been since the 2018 World Cup. you got Wissam Ben Yadir. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even remember who else do they have this that's been very good this season, but you know they're still challenging for the title along with Lyon, who um, on the uh, through the guidance of Memphis Depay, who has just been very good in France ever since he's gotten there after a rough time in Man- in Manchester. He uh, he's been he's been doing well in France. Got to give him credit. But this title race is extremely extremely close with um, Monaco and Lyon both with a game in hand. They're at 71 and 67 points. You got PSG on 75, and you got Lille in top spot on 76 points. Where do you, where do you think the title goes? I think Paris still still just overpower, overpower really, the right? They're just Lille's not really been in like look, Liga, it's been dominated by PSG for the basically the past not the whole decade, but you know, and if PSG has been going on a run. It got in, interrupted by Monaco a couple of years back, but for the most part, like you look at the table in March and it's wrapped up. So this year they've struggled out of the gate. They were in the Champions League final. I was listening to a podcast earlier where um, Philippe Auclair, a journalist, he's talking about how they they struggled out of the gate because they had uh, fitness issues that couldn't really get a full preseason going. And then obviously they had games that, they have like about eight losses this year in the league, which is ridiculous for them. They should never be losing that many games. Obviously, manager transition is big too, and they're really gunning for the Champions League, so their interests are elsewhere. Um, but I still think the quality in that team is overpowering, and I think if Lille drop points, it's over because Paris, I believe, are going to win win out the rest of the way. That's that's interesting you say that because I'm actually of the opinion that Lille is going to get away with it. Uh, here's why. As much as we say Leo is bound to eventually lose, Mike Manan or Manan, or however you pronounce his name, we just say Manan, which sounds like my mother in, in uh, English slang. <laughs> he has the most clean sheets in Europe as a, of any goalkeeper with 19 clean sheets this season. That dude single-handedly is holding them together. On top of the fact you got the likes of Jonathan David, who's had a bit of a rough start, but has been fantastic He's really fun in this form, yeah. Uh, you got players like um, some of the Turkish guys. You got Burak Yilmaz, who's been fantastic. That guy uh, against Lyon the other week, they went down 2 nothing. He came came clutch with mm-hmm. a huge winner in the 85th minute. Um, you got uh, Yazici, who's... That guy is what I expect Chalonoglu to be. That guy is fantastic. <laughs> Yazici is... That guy is 
the Turkish Messi. That guy's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, you got Jonathan Bamba, who's been very good this season. Yep. Uh, I just think considering PSG is so, you know, they're in a rough spot right now with uh, coming up against Man City in the Champions League, which we'll touch on. I think they're going to be going all in in this in, uh, in Europe. That's what they want. That's what they've been wanting since 2012, since the takeover. Yeah. All they want is the Champions League. I don't think they care about this title. And uh, Leo really, really does. So I agree. For me, I think Leo is going to get away with it. And that's a great, great point you bring up, Milan, because, you know, they've won it for years on end. For them, I don't think they look at winning the league as uh, that big of an accomplishment. For them, honestly, much be expected. And obviously, in football, nothing is expected. Take nothing for granted. But clearly, with the investment with the Neymar purchase a couple of years back, bringing in Mbappe, uh, those two massive investments, bringing in Pochettino, like, they see it's not working and they make changes. They're all about winning. Uh, so, but it kind of contradicts what I'm about to say. If they're so focused on the Champions League, uh, do you think it'll really like? How much do you think this league title means to Paris? Like, do you think they're Nothing. fine? Do you think they're fine with it if they lose the league? And like, right? I think they'd have to be fine losing the league but winning the Champions League because that's the ultimate goal for them. I'd here's say. here's what it comes down to: when PSG wins a title, you don't see the celebrations like you do when Inter wins a title. They right. don't care. If, if they're going to get the best trophy in Europe, the best trophy... That's one that... Part of the World Cup, one the, streets the best trophy in the sport of the football, yeah. that's when you'll see fans going absurd. They don't, they don't care. You know, it doesn't matter. PSG only wants the Champions League. They're in a rough spot right now in the Champions League with the second leg coming up, but they're not going to mind if they end up coming back and then they end up losing the title. It is I what think, it is. I think the real issue there is if they go without either, that's going to be a real issue. That's yeah. going to be really bad because Mbappe, uh, has he signed a new contract yet? I'm not entirely sure, but he's been linked like for a couple of years now with big move away. I don't know if anyone can afford that, but you know, he might be really reconsidering his future. Like, yeah. and Neymar, you're old. he's only getting older. He's not getting any younger. Uh, so I think it'd be atrocious for them if they lost out on both. I think they're taking home at least one. Champions League, I said it since, uh, I've said it since the Barcelona first leg uh, where they won four or one away that I think PSG is winning it this year. I think last year they were so close and they want that revenge tour. But man, they're in a really tough spot going into the second leg. Yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, I also wanted to give a quick talk about the sixth place team in France, which is unfortunately Bowen's second team, Marseille. Uh, I know you keep up a little bit with Marseille. Uh, could you kind of explain to me what, like what's happened in France? I know Andre Villas Boas got fired yeah. or quit, whatever it was earlier on in the season. They had a really rough time in Europe. But what's come to this? Like, how has it come to this point? Inconsistency across the board. Um, like, they were up there near the top of the league at the start of the season under VS Boas. Uh, obviously, won away at PSG in that controver- very, very controversial match that got the football news media really like. Obviously, that. that obviously, those two teams going at it, it's always going to attract a, a crowd and media fanfare, but they won away in that match. Uh, but yeah, since then, super inconsistent. Got knocked out of the out of the league cup in really embarrassing fashion. They'll put together a couple wins, and then they'll just play like they don't know how to play football for ninety minutes. So, and you know, terrible showing in the Champions League. 
uh, awful showing. I believe they only won one of their six matches and they were eliminated after four games. So obviously tough group. They're up against Man City. They're up against Porto. They're up against Olympiacos. But it's not like they're in a death group or anything. Uh, but again, you know, Milan, they qualified for the Champions League last year when their season wasn't completed. Uh, they were in second after after the, the shutdown, and that's what got them through. Had the season actually completed, I don't know if they would have been in that spot. So they might have actually not been at that level, and I think that's a big part of it too. Uh, Dimitri Payet, he's only getting older. Florian Tovan, he's been linked with moves away from the club for years. Uh, Bubakar Kamara, he's been... He's one of their top prospects, but he's probably going to leave as well. I, that's not really the word for a top prospects, but he's probably going to leave. They need to like they need cash flow. They need profit for him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be held on for much longer. So yeah, yeah Marseille is not going to be like what they they finished second last year, but it, was it a real second place? No, exactly. Uh, they've been kind of in and around European league spots this season, but I don't think they'll make it. So. It's tough to see because I was born there, you know, but it is what it is. That's football. It's cyclical. Um, but yeah, right now, probably going to miss out on Europe. And just another, just another run of the mill season, I guess, with a lot of controversy in the way, but nothing spectacular out of them. I mean, you know, as a, as a Milan fan, all I can tell you is eventually it's going to come around. <laughs> I mean, I was going through 10 years of turmoil and. Uh, if I was like analyzed like psychologically by for what I was going through mentally like every single year, I promise you would not you would not be interested in seeing old <laughs> year after year watching Milan. So I mean, eventually it'll come around. Uh, hoping Marseille Marseille's a big club, so hopefully hopefully eventually they'll come back. Yeah. But um, you got anything else to add before we move on to Europe? Uh, that's about it. I think we pretty thoroughly dissected the top leagues. And, you know, let's just move on to a bit of Champions League, Europe League talk. And sounds All good right. to me. Yeah, go ahead whenever you're ready. So the Champions League, uh, obviously, at the second leg of the semifinal now, uh, Real, Real Madrid, Chelsea drew one all away. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't catch this match, caught up on some highlights. But uh, for me, what I have to say is, I thought this was going to be a tough tie going into it, and they're deadlocked at one goal piece. Uh, Christian, Pulisic, Christian Pulisic scoring for Chelsea. Um, but yeah, what a massive result for them. They're looking to make the Champions League final for the first time since uh, they last made it in 2012 and won. Uh, I was not, I'm not surprised to see them in the semis, but I am at the same time. I'm not surprised in that they had a pretty favorable draw. Uh, getting through Porto, who's not who was not expected to be there, um, you know they really dominated that leg. New manager balance with Thomas Tuchel helps as well, but some players coming into form. Uh, do I think they'll make it through though? No, um, I think Real will have a spot in the final. They have some work to do, obviously going back to London. But what, what do you think on that? What's your thoughts from that tie? I'm of the exact opinion as you, yeah. um, Chelsea. You know. Congrats. They've had a really rough season. They spent a lot of money this summer, considering the FFP was canceled for the summer. They went out and they balled out. They went and bought someone like Timo Werner, uh, Thiago Silva. Uh, you went and got yourself Hakim Ziyech. And it doesn't seem like it's paid off. But you've somehow, some way, gone to a, a semifinal of Europe. And that's impressive. Um, but yeah. you're playing against the best team in history, the greatest team in history. You know, yeah. you're, you're not beating them. In my humble opinion, there's no shot you're beating them. Uh, it looks like Ramos might be back. 
Varane might be back. Even if they're not, uh, shout out to Eder Militao, who's been fantastic. Really stepped in this year, yep. Um, You got the likes of Nacho Fernandez, who's also been great. Uh, You know, they've been hit with the injury bug majorly because Carvajal won't be back this season. Lucas Vasquez, who was one of their best players this season, also won't be back with with his contract also expiring this summer. Um, It's just Madrid is... I they're a machine. I don't think they're losing. Uh, but also, just one thing I wanted to say because you said his name properly, Pulisic. I I hate the fact that this dude is so American that he can't even pronounce his own name. This guy goes out and says, "My name is Christian Pulisic, bro. Your name is Pulisic. Your name is Pulisic. Respect Croatia. <laughs> respect where you're from, and start saying Pulisic because I'm sick and tired of him not being able to say his damn name. All right." <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's that's all I really have to say about that. To be honest, yeah. So you you I'm, I'm, I take it you do not want to see, see that man repping Chelsea in the Champions League final. Basically, you do not want to see uh, you do not want to see them progress past this tie. Is the, what you're saying? The only thing I don't want to I don't mind if Chelsea goes through, but then I don't want Man City to go through. Here's my issue in 2019, right, yeah. I believe that was one of the worst like months I have experienced in my life at all. Because I go on Twitter and I always see these Premier League fans telling me that, oh yeah, like, like bro, one of the flukiest runs in champ and Champions League and Europa League history for teams, and they somehow got through, and they just, oh my goodness, like I hated seeing four Champions League, uh, four English teams in finals because it was just horrible for the sport of football. As much as you know, I'm I'm happy. It's great. I I I don't want to see all English teams in the finals again. So if if Chelsea is to go through, I pray to God PSG goes through. If Man City is to go through, I pray to God Real Madrid is to go through because I refuse to see two English teams again in the final. Yeah, ideally for me, I'd love to see uh, Real against City, which we'll get to them in a, in a minute. But I don't know if, man, if, if it's a PSG-Chelsea final, I might have to uh, watch with, with my hands covering my eyes. I don't know. I want to see – I do not want to see one of those two teams lift the Champions League. That would be probably one of the worst days for me as a, a football fan. We need we need football to be saved, Bowen. We need one of these two teams to step <laughs> up and save the sport. Uh, I guess other over to the other other leg now. Uh, Manchester City and PSG. Talk about a cracking match of football, my friend. That was 90 minutes, not the whole way through. It kind of died down in, in, in bits. But, man, that first half was electric. Uh, we get to halftime. PSG's 1-0 up. Um, and then the whole game changed. I don't know what happened in the locker rooms at half, uh, but Man City came out looking like a whole different team. PSG kind of looks like they took their foot off the gas pedal a bit, and obviously uh, we now know the result 2-1 uh, for Manchester City over PSG in the first leg. Um, massive, massive result for them, and I want to talk about this a bit. For me, uh, this could be really a landmark moment in, in Guardiola's career and for Manchester City as a club because we've seen Manchester City get deep into the Champions League and just bottle it, bottle it, bottle it. Can't can't make it through, can't make it through. But, man, it looks like they know what they're doing now. It looks like they really got some confidence, that experience. Um, for me, I think they have a foot in the funnel. Uh, if PSG come back and you know, make it through fair play to them, but city two away goals. That's huge. And I can see them winning it all the way. If, if they overcome PSG, I think they'd have to be the favorites in the final for me. So in your opinion, whoever comes out through, through this side of the yeah. bracket is winning the champions league. 
Yeah, this is for me, this is the 2018 Western Conference Finals. Whoever comes out of the West is winning the title. Whoever comes out of the PSG City tie is winning is winning the Champions League. Yeah, they're the two strongest teams in the competition for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as many may know, I'm not a big fan of Pep Guardiola. I'm, uh, I'm actually an extreme critic of Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Uh, because every single year he gets to these positions and every single year he overcomplicates things and he yep. ruins it for himself. We saw it against, uh, I can't even believe, I remember who they played, Lyon last year, correct? Leon, yep. Um, we saw it against Tottenham. We saw it in so many different ties. He overcomplicates the situation and it ends up costing them every single time. It almost cost him again because uh, in the first half, that was all PSG, you know. Marquinhos yep. with a massive, massive goal. That guy is one of the most underrated defenders in the world for me. Still so young as well. He's so versatile, can play in the midfield, can play in defense. I hats off to Marquinhos. And Neymar was just a masterclass of a this dude. Yeah. This dude is the best player in the world. Right now, other than Messi, he's the best player in the world on current form. And yeah. um, you know, it was all them. But then the second half comes around and PSG couldn't get out of their half. It was it was all City, and what I got to give Pep credit for is the switch that he made when he got Cancelo off because Cancelo was getting destroyed by Neymar. The second he took him out, uh, you saw uh, Zinchenko go in there, yep. and Zinchenko completely changed the game. I've I've always never been a fan of what Pep did to Zinchenko in terms of he was a midfielder coming into Man City. He was a very touted, uh, prospected young talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went around and moved into left back because he said, you have no future here. You're going to have to play as a fullback. Otherwise, you're not going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's been playing fairly well as a fullback. And it showed because that aspect of a fullback in terms of the creativity and, you know, what um, Zinchenko brings to the table is what changed the game for Man City. Um, it, but it honestly, that was PSG's game that they lost. Like, they could not get out yeah. of the half. Mbappe was absolutely invisible for 90 minutes. Uh, Neymar did well, but didn't even get the ball for the entire second half. And, yeah. you know, Chiquilo, Kaylor Navas, uh, with mistake after mistake. Like, I wouldn't say the second one was his mistake, but no. the first one, this dude didn't go out for a cross. <laughs> like, they scored off a cross. Um, yeah, exactly. That's... Yeah, for me, like, look, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it that Manchester City were lucky in PSG bottled. Uh, for me, I think it has to be a combination of the two, um, of those two opinions for me. But man, like those are some really, really unfortunate goals. You play that match 10 times out of 10, you, like PSG probably grabs a second in the first half, probably wins. But again, that's football. Uh, going into the second leg, uh, what do you think? Because Guardiola, he he can't run out with the same first, the same starting eleven as he did. He clearly had to make changes. Uh, I think they need a starting center forward in there. They can't have De Bruyne uh, leading the line for me. He needs to drop deeper. He needs to. He's not traditionally a winger. I don't think they'd play him out on the wing. I think he needs to drop deeper in the midfield. They had so many midfielders. You made a tweet about like the galaxy brain meme where it's uh, Guardiola playing six midfielders and no forwards. Man, he cannot play. He cannot keep Aguero or Gabby Jesus on the bench. Like, he has to start one of those. Uh, Phil Foden, for me, I, I think it's a start. But I think, yeah, like this – and as you talked about it, and everybody talks about this is it for these two teams. Like, this is probably the strongest they'll be in a while. 
and have been in a while. So I think for whoever loses, it's going to be a really disappointment because I think both sides really feel that they should be winning the Champions League. Like, what do you think on what do you think on that? These are very two strong sides. Whoever doesn't win, there are going to be a lot of tough questions that have to be asked going forward. They're going to have money, but it's a massive disappointment for whoever doesn't make it out of this tie. What are your thoughts 100%. on that? 100%. Um, the thing is, I'd actually say City is a little bit more – should be more angry if they don't win it because yeah. I can give a, a pass to, to PSG for a few things. You know, it seems every single March of every single year, Neymar's injured. Yep. Um, now that Neymar's healthy, this is their this is what I expect. Neymar is one of the best that's ever played the sport. If he's on the field, you should be winning games. Period. Period. Yeah. yeah. Man City's never had an excuse. Man City, every time it's gone wrong, it's because of their own accord. In yeah, my that's opinion. true. People can yeah. say that they were uh, unlucky against Tottenham. It's still Tottenham over two legs. You should never give Tottenham Hotspur a fighter's chance against you. Just you gotta. <laughs> Like, we're talking about Tottenham. Like, lads, it's Tottenham. That's what we're talking about. Like, we're Tottenham, bro. <laughs> um, Man City, you know, Pep, he has – my agenda is going to have to, you know, take a back turn if he gets to the Champions League final or even wins the Champions League. Because it only gets my, stronger. That's, yeah. that's my number one excuse, right? Uh, not excuse, My number one uh, criticism of him is that without Messi, he's nothing in the Champions League. Yeah, he got unlucky in Bayern when, you know, three offside goals for Real Madrid went through and Real Madrid won another time. But Real Madrid <laughs> was also the better team, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, it's just what it comes down to is obviously the both teams are in the same position. They're both teams that put in a lot of money to their projects and they both, all they care about is Champions League. this, yeah. right? This, it all comes down to this, like you said. And um, I would love PSG to go through. Can they go through? Yes. Will they go through? Remains to be seen. I'll touch on this quickly, but for me, the X factor in this tie is, is Kylian Mbappe. He's shown it time and time again, this competition, this run he's, he's been on is phenomenal. At least one of the legs each tie, he'll show up and perform. He showed it against Barcelona. He showed it against Bayern Munich. Hasn't showed it in the first leg. He's going to have to get something going here, man, because look, He's got to come through. Like I think for people to have him in the conversation as one of the best footballers in the world, big players, big time players, Milan, they make big time games. Uh, big time players have big time games. So he's gonna really have to show up, show out. If it, if he scores, uh, if he scores, they'll completely change the tie. But look out from Bobby. Obviously, like that's nothing new here. We all know what he can bring to the table. But for me, I'm really gonna be paying close attention to what he can do because. I think honestly the tie rests on him and Neymar, like for PSG. 100%. So he's got to get it done. Me yep. and you both know Neymar is going to show up. Neymar always shows up. Yeah. People can say he's not scoring goals and he's not showing up. That means you don't know football. This guy's doing everything else on the field, on the pitch. This guy's changing the game just by being there. The There's grounding. players that you yeah. just go on. Uh, the best example I have of this that's not a big player, or I'd say like one of the best ever. Yep. Uh, I remember Ivory Coast. I think they were playing in 2014 in the World Cup. And they were getting dominated. Uh, around the 60th, 70th minute, they sub on Didier Drogba, completely rejuvenated team. Yeah. Completely rejuvenated. Players like that, like a Neymar, like a Messi, like a Cristiano Ronaldo, like a Drogba, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. They change the dynamic of the team. You come on and everyone else is better. Exactly. Even if you're not touching the ball, everyone else is better. Yeah. So I know what Neymar is going to bring to this team. 
Is Mbappe going to bring this to the team? That remains to be seen. I need mm-hmm. to see him show up. I need to see him show up because this is where his legacy is on the line, in my opinion. So far, at least, it's not. It's not, he's not. He's not done. He's not done. Let's let's be clear here. He's the kid's only what 23, 24? 20, 22. His legacy <laughs> as this cold-blooded killer on the field. It's for me. I've always had Holland as a more clinical finisher, and if he doesn't show up in this next game clinically. My my opinion is gonna stand because he needs to show up. Like he needs yeah. to show up after that first game. He was invisible. It, it, number nine, I didn't know he was on the field. Or number seven, I don't even know what number that this guy wears. Hey man, it's a lot to look forward to. It's it's not none of these ties are with any question or ending. We're close to being finished. So I've. Uh, some great football, some really great football to look forward to in the coming weeks in, in Europe because, yeah, all these competitions, I guess the only one you could slot in uh, in the final would be the Europa League with Manchester United. They should go through, but the Champions League specifically, no, these are far from being done. So I'm really looking forward to what the next the next leg brings in each one. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as you said, in the Europa League, you got Man United, you know, Roma had a good first half. But as as it always is, what can go wrong will go wrong for Roma. And <laughs> they were up 2-1, and then the second half started, yeah. and Man United just did not take the gas, uh, the foot off the gas as they dismantled them 6-2. Um, Pogba had a great game. He had a good game from Mason, Gre- Mason Greenwood, I would say. I feel like he's the kind of player that always scores when Man United is already comfortable, you know? Everyone gives him a lot of credit. They keep scoring, but it always seems to be when they're already winning and you know, a goal is kind of just consolation for them or, you know, good stuff he scored, but more so than, you know, he's a game winner. Mm. Um, he had Cavani who, you know, his off the ball movement was for me, even a couple of years ago, he was the best striker in the world. Uh, he's definitely a shadow of that, but he's still fantastic. He's still so, so good. And um, this one year he's had at United, it's, it's been very productive uh, they look set for another European final, and that's all that there really is to say about it. There's nothing even to yeah. say about Roma and Man United. The, the game's done. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. Unless this Roma guy Fonseca came in with a Peaky Blinders cosplay and completely got destroyed. Um, yeah, for me, that tie, that tie, I think is pretty much wrapped up. I think United, you like, look, they they gave up two away goals, but they should have one foot in the final. Like, unless it's an all-time disaster class from them in the second leg, they're going through. The other time is a lot more interesting. Um, I That game really bummed me out, man. I don't want to talk about it for too long. But No, Arsenal, you have to. This is all you, boss. Uh, all you. Yeah, Arsenal, 2-1 uh, defeat away at Villarreal uh, against former boss Unai Emery. Good uh, evening. Yeah, talk about a disappointing, a disappointing game. Can't can't say I'm surprised though. Uh, team is having a really tough time getting uh, healthy at the center forward position. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang contracted malaria not too long ago. Alex Lacazette got injured a couple matches back, so Emil Smith Rowe is starting at center forward. Uh, Danny Ceballos sent off. In the, uh, midway point of the game, Granit Xhaka playing at left back. It was a ridiculous lineup. I don't know how they scraped out a goal, Arsenal, but they did. They got an away goal. Shout out to, shout out to Villarreal. They were deserved winners on the night. Uh, arguably, could have gone up more than two and really just put their their foot in the final. 
but yeah, everything to play for at the Emirates. Uh, if Mikel Arteta somehow pulls through and wins this competition, he's got to stay on. Obviously, they're not going to sack him after that, even if they keep going down in the, in the league. But yeah, getting back into the Champions League will be the goal. But yeah, man, Arsenal's season rests on these next two games. If you, if they even make the final, which it's I wouldn't say it's unlikely, but it's not it's not favorable in a position right now. So. The whole season, man, rest on these next two games. I don't care what they do in the league. For me, it's all about Europe League. It's all about getting into Europe next season. Because if the league is done, the league's done, bro. Ninth place, the league's done. (laughs) But um, what I really wanted to mention is uh, before we even go any further about the tie, I want to give a huge shout out to Bukayo Saka. For me, right now, just seeing what this dude is going through every single freaking week. I think he's literally going to be a Ballon d'Or winner because this guy is playing so well on this horrible team at this age, with all due respect to Arsenal. You know me. I respect Arsenal to the death. But this dude is single-handedly Maybe, maybe too much at times. Maybe you respect him a bit too much. No, no, I have to. I have to. This is, this is a historic <laughs> club for me. But um, listen, Bukayo Saka, this dude is... Every single week, he's doing the post-game interviews for the club. Why? Yeah. He's literally a youngster. Because this guy's the only one with heart and passion on the team so far. It's, I've got to give him so much credit. I think either he's going to become a perennial loser, the likes of a Harry Kane type, or he's going to become a Ballon d'Or winner. Considering that at this age, he's already at this level. He's already performing so well. I think he's got to be, you know, top of the top. Um, I'm I'm really impressed with him. I'm really impressed with him. I don't know if he'll reach Ballon d'Or level little height i think there's a lot of players ahead of him in that category uh, but my worry is that just they don't overplay him too much i do not want to see this man running out in the league for the rest of the way this guy he was rested today against uh, newcastle in arsenal's win um i do not want to see him in any meaningless games if they make the final i don't like bring him on as a sub keep him match fit but i don't want to see him playing 90 minutes because he's played so much football this year they needed him that's great but if like if he's playing in a meaningless game and gets injured, that would be uh, terrible. So he's done great. He's very young, uh, but I think his legs are kind of he's been kind of running to the ground a bit. So I really hope he can pull through. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, but yeah, no, he's definitely a top talent to watch for years to come. And like you see, we we've all seen what he's done this season. He's he's come up time and time again. So hoping for one more great performance from him. Uh, Arsenal's European football hopes are hanging by a thread. So I don't think it'll happen. Just But again, I didn't think they'd win the FA Cup last season. And look what happens. So Exactly. Some, some, yeah, some great football to come. Hopefully Arsenal's through to the final. Hopefully they win it. But, you know, it is what it is. That's <laughs> football. But here's the main thing, you know. As you mentioned, the lineup by Arteta, you were not happy with it. You no. Know? He had to play someone like Xhaka at left back when he had a right back in Cedric on the bench, who's, you know, been a makeshift left back for the team throughout the season. He's covered. Um, yeah. What What's your thoughts on Arteta now? You know, at first you were very, you're backing him. He had a great form. Great <laughs> yeah. form. It wasn't fantastic, but, you know, he, it, was, it was a youthful, you know, change of scenery for Arsenal. It was After a, so many years yeah. with uh, with Wenger, where he basically, you know, he was running a good system, but it was very bland and it was very, you know, dead almost. You were happy to see someone like Arteta come in, bring a different style of football. Right now, how are you feeling about Arteta? 
Well, for me, look, the change from Wenger to Emery, uh, they felt like they were a piece away, right? So they, that January, they before Wenger left, they brought in Pierre America Bamiyang, right? Like that's a piece that should get you to the final, uh, get you the Champions League, miss out. That's a, that's okay. That's fine. We got Aubameyang, new manager, new philosophy. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, brought in Socrates, brought in all these players, David Luiz. Um, no, didn't work. Still haven't made Champions League football. Uh, that's fine. Make the Europa League. Nope. Lose that game 4-1. Uh, and then after that, goes off the rails. Uh, so, yeah, it was needed change. Because William, I don't want to see that man on a football pitch for an Arsenal shirt again in my life. I get he probably has contractual obligations. He has to hit and he's being, I don't know. I don't know why this man plays football at the top level. Like he does not provide much at all. It's <laughs> he ridiculous. was so good. Like a few years back. It's just, I don't know what's happened in these last few years, but I, I remember that one season when Mourinho was there, when he got fired, he was their best player. He was, but that was five, six years ago. Like yeah. it's 2021, man. Like get with the time. I'm not saying that about you, but it's like William. Like, no, no, genuinely. Yeah. So I don't, they need to stop making signings like that. Um, I think they really need to get younger. Thomas Parts is a good signing, but he's had a very inconsistent season in my eyes. Um, there's still a lot of players that need to be moved on if they want to be seriously contending for not only Europe, but the league, which is the expectation, the standard. They've fallen from that a bit. Uh, as back to your question, I just realized I haven't really answered it yet, but Arteta, man, I don't know. Like, look, he's got them to the champion. He's got them to the Europa League semi. Say they make, say he makes the final. Whatever happens, I think he has to stay on one more season. Give him one more window. Give him the funds. Let him bring in the players. Come December, if they're still struggling, still not doing much, then it might be time to go. Because you look back at that FA Cup win, it was against a City team who, I'm gonna be honest, I don't think they were like no players ever gonna come out and tell you we don't care about a Cup semifinal, especially the FA Cup. But, but they didn't give it a I can't say that. Yeah, it did not look like they like they were broke and Liverpool broke them in the league finally. They broke through and won. Yeah, the, the FA Cup was the least of their worries. So that happens. And then they go and beat Lampard, manage Chelsea in the final. And we saw how he's turned out and he's proven to be not a top manager, at least right now. So it kind of looks like a bit of a, a bit of a mirage in my eyes. Uh, again, had they lost, had Arsenal lost to Benfica, which were they were they were dangerously, dangerously close to doing. Um, that's, I think Arteta would have had to go, even though he's only been here since uh, I believe December 2019. So, yeah, I think give him one more summer, see what happens. But look, if it's next December and they're in eleventh, it's gonna be, it might be t- it. It's going to have to be time to go. You can't keep stagnating. Like, the league positions got worse. They're closer to European football by virtue of the Europa League. But one more summer, one last chance. Let's get it done, Miguel. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, I've always not been a fan of teams firing coaches just because of yeah. a bad run of form, just because I feel, you know, you got to give people time. Yep. I, I'm not a fan of uh, Roma firing Fonseca right now considering that he's got them here no one there's not a single person in the world that said they were going to make a, a europa league uh semi Semi. uh at one point they were third in the league for me fonseca is a fantastic coach and he's working with deadwood in uh in rome and i wouldn't want to see uh, arteta leave you know but i there definitely needs to be questions asked right now because you know as much as this is the most 
competitive the Prem has been in years from third to eighth, third to tenth. This is just ridiculous. You don't, you're Arsenal Football Club. You're not a ninth place team. Yeah. No. You, there was a time when Arsenal, like, if there was anything you can guarantee in life, is that Arsenal was going to at least be fourth. That was the running was, joke. Yeah. That was the running joke. Uh, the fourth place joke. trophy. The fourth yeah. place trophy. And you, I, I haven't seen Arsenal finish fourth in a long time. And if Arteta is going to, I'm actually almost a fan of if you guys were to lose, just because I know. There's nothing to worry about. It's just go all in, like, and focus, you know? Yeah. I The one thing that I wasn't happy with last year when you guys won that FA Cup was the fact that you had to play in Europe again because Thursdays are just so, it's like so annoying. It's so annoying. You have to go to these countries like Belarus, Belarus, sorry. You got to go to Ukraine. <laughs> you got to go to Israel. You got to go to Liechtenstein, to Switzerland, like, the travel there and then you come back to England and you get dismantled because you just spent hours on end adjusting to their time zones to their, you know, air that there is there. I just, I'm not a fan of, um, of Thursday nights. And I think uh, the best thing that can happen is if you guys don't win, if you do win and you make champions league, fantastic. But if you guys get to the final and you lose, you know, no worries in my opinion. Um, that might be the end of his time at the club, though. That's the thing. But yeah, hey man, two big games, two big games. The season rests on, so that's that's about it for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, good luck, Arteta. That's all I have to say. Right. Um, I guess know, that about haven't been lucky with injuries, but it is what it is. That's football, as you that's said, football. time and time again. Um. So yeah, I think hopefully Arsenal pulls through and. Uh, a final, I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt. A final between Arsenal and United, I'll watch, but uh, uh, English final <laughs> Champions League, I'm not excited. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but our final section of the show, our mm. new segment, um, you know, if you were a fan of uh, the No Cap Recap, you'd remember our What a Guy segment. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I stole that. I stole it from David Rianch and Poet. That was their thing time for a very long time in their uh, YouTube show. You know, shout out to them for that. But I think we we gotta switch it up a little bit because it was it was a good idea, but we gotta make it our own. Just yeah. like SBST, something new, something fresh. We gotta make it our own. Precisely. So our new segment, Kejogador. Hey. We, we gotta give a shout out to me and Bowen's phrase that we use very often in conversation about football or any kind of sport. Uh, that's gonna be our new implementation to the show. So yeah. just like what a guy, Kejogador is just gonna be basically a player, a person, anything that's happened throughout the week that deserves some recognition. Um, you got anyone uh, in mind right now for Kejagador of the week? Uh, uh, Bowen? Um, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's it's supposed to be for the week, but I'm going to say it for the whole season. Romelu Lukaku. This guy has come in. He has put, arguably, you could say he put Inter Milan on his back. And they are reaping the, the they're seeing the fruits of their labor. Um, so I know I kind of messed it up. It's supposed to be for a little short time thing. No, Wukaku, top, no. top player. And it's, yeah, it's crazy you say that because I was going to put Conte as my casual goal of the week. Right. Because, okay. you know, um, I don't know if you follow the IFTV podcast, Italian Football TV, but yeah. there, there's a Milan fan there named Antonio who's a hater a despiser of antonio conte and um 
you know, he's kind of got to eat his words right now because Conte, as he always has, he's delivering in Italy. He's given them the title that they've deserved for a very long time. And uh, hats off to him, you know. His 3-5-2 yep. has worked perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, signing players such as uh, Hakimi, who's, for me, top three to f- uh, two, I'd say, uh, fullbacks in the world. The way he runs down that right wing, just ideal for that 3-5-2. Um, Lukaku, obviously, has been fantastic. Nicola Barella, for me, one of the best midfielders in Europe. Uh, nothing else to be said. Yeah, it's about uh, two great picks and worthy, worthy Italian champions, so... Yeah, that's but yeah, I guess that's it. I guess uh first episode under the new name. And what do you have to say, Milan? I'll leave it to I'm, you to wrap uh, it up. Yeah, I mean I'm happy. Uh I'm thankful for you know the chance to be able to talk to you, Bowen, about this kind of stuff. Yep. You know, talking sports has been our thing since the first since we year. Met pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, I I get along with you well in terms of this kind of stuff. We sometimes we may disagree, but that's for the best. Respectful disagreement. That's all. That's all. Because you know the way we disagree in terms of we both almost educate each other on you know footballing knowledge, which I I prefer rather than just we both agree on the exact same opinion time and time again. Uh, We are slightly biased, which is exactly why the slightly biased sports talk show is gonna be what it is. Yep. Uh, I'm happy. (laughs) It's uh it's bearing the uh, fruits of our labor now. After uh, time and time again of us uh, working towards making a show back in first semester, we tried to record, didn't work out. We're here now and um, we'll be back even this week talking some more basketball. So 100%. So that wraps it up for the first episode. Um, Be sure we'll get the logos, all that stuff sorted out. But if anybody, if anybody out there watches, which I hope, uh, I think it's quality quality conversation. But anyway, everybody who watched, everybody who follows our page, all that stuff, uh, we really appreciate listening. And yeah, Len, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you yes, again, sir. my friend, for talking football on this beautiful Sunday. And I will see you within the week.